This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, it's Chelsea Chadder, and you're listening to the Chelsea Heritage Podcast, dedicated to sharing the rich history of Chelsea Football Club. Each episode, I'll be joined by a guest, and we'll be talking about something from the club's past. Could be a manager, a player, an opposition, a particular season, or just perhaps a topic we think you'd like to hear. This is part two of the Dennis Wise episode. If you haven't listened to part one, then go and check it out. Today, we are looking at Wisey's Chelsea career from the start of the 1997-98 season until the time he leaves the club in 2001. I'm joined again by my guest, Chris Cassley. Let's get started. So in the summer of 1997, Chelsea said goodbye to Craig Burley, Erlen Jonsson, Jakob Kjellberg, Paul Parker and Scott Minto. However, they added to their foreign contingent by saying Gus Poyet from Real Zaragoza, Celestine Babayaro from Anderlecht, Tor Andre Flo from Brown Bergen, uh, Bernard Lambord from Bordeaux, and Ed De Hoy from Feyenoord. They also re-signed Graham Lasseau from Blackburn for another club record million, uh, five million pounds. Chris, which of these signings did you like the best? And do you have any good memories um, about whoever it is you're going to choose? <laughs> um, Paul Parker. Good God, I've forgotten he played about one game for us. He Paul Parker, Blimey. Um Lissau and Poyer, actually, because um, I think Poyer had played against us. I don't know if he played against us in the Cutman's Cup or he was sort of, we'd come up against him at some point. But Poyer, Poyer was a really good player, really energetic, really ideally suited for English football, actually. He had a fantastic uh, stamina and was always running. Uh, Lissau, actually, I was really pleased they re-signed Lissau. He'd left the club under sort of pretty dodgy circumstances. He clearly wanted to improve himself and he did. He went to a better club in Blackburn. Um, but it was great we had him back and he was a superb uh, player on the left-hand side. Um, as good as I felt a bit sorry for Minto because I never felt Minto quite fulfilled his potential uh, with Chelsea. He, he was always sort of on the fringes or he'd be injured. He'd have a run of games and he'd get injured again. But Lasseau was a really good replacement. Well, and I think it was like the first England international, current England international Chelsea had signed for 
for for like 20 30 odd years at that point so that that was really good and the other players um it's not like these days where you sort of heard about them more you know you did have italian football on you could see spanish i suppose but i don't remember there being such a buzz i mean flow was an absolute bargain when it came to it um three hundred thousand pounds but I, I can't remember being excited by it as such i just remember thinking we've added to the squad um Clearly, you know, we've improved year on year on year. Hullet, you know, is, is obviously suddenly won a trophy, which a manager hadn't done for 20-odd years at that point. Um, it was a case of, I suppose, really keeping everyone happy, you know. But, but it was the direction of travel was clear. You know, the quality was constantly improving. And it was, uh, yeah, again, it was a real buzz, really exciting. In pre-season, Chelsea took part in the Umbro Trophy again. The Blues beat Newcastle on penalties, but Wise didn't play in that game. He did come on as a half-time sub for Mark Nichols in the final, where they beat Everton 3-1 with goals from Viali and two from Zola. And Wisey then scored a brace in the next friendly as they won 4-1 away at Portsmouth. The competitive season started early for Chelsea. Uh, as the FA Cup winners, they played the Premier League champion, champions in the Charity Shield. Wise captain decided at Wembley in a midfield that consisted of Poyet, Di Matteo, Jody Morris and himself. Mark Hughes gave Chelsea the lead, but his goal was cancelled out by Ronnie Johnson's equaliser. After 90 minutes, it just went straight to penalties and Chelsea lost 4-2, uh, but Wise didn't take any of them. The first league game came away against Coventry on the 9th of August 1997. Chelsea, who were wearing yellow that day, took the lead when Frank Sinclair's strike made it 1-0. And this is where he famously pulled down his shorts to his knees and carried on running as part of the celebration. Uh, and Flo also scored, but it wasn't enough, as Dion Doblin's hat-trick gave Coventry a surprise win. Next came a 6-0 win at Barnsley and a 2-0 away win at Wimbledon, meaning that uh, we hadn't actually played a home game until the end of August when they played Southampton. Uh, this was because of the redevelopment of the shed end, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, the Blues won 4-2, with Wise getting on the score sheet after Zola's neat footwork and trickery found Dan Petrescu. But a tackle led to the ball falling at Wise's feet on the edge of the box, and he scored. Um, Chris, with the, the shed, I just want to know, did you ever stand in the old shed? Uh, and where do you like to watch games from now and why? Uh, I like to watch it from the shed upper because it's quite cheap. <laughs> My season ticket hasn't gone up in about 10 years. Um, I, yeah, I, well, I did stand on the or perch, I suppose, on the old shed uh, for some bizarre reason. My dad thought it'd be a really good idea to take his nine-year-old onto the shed terrace. So I think one of the first matches I saw on the shed was the season we got relegated in 87-88. I was there when we went down in the playoffs against Middlesbrough on, on the shed. That was that was an interesting experience. And then after, yeah, we, we sort of stood on the shed, um, normally above to the left-hand side, looking out towards the, the pitch with a west stand just around the corner from us. Um, yeah, football terraces, if you've never done it, it's a unique experience. The shed even more so, because you're at least half a mile away from the pitch uh, with little cars in front of you. Um uh, they had no cover apart from a certain bit of the roof, so you got very wet. I was on the shed for its last uh, last game in '94 against Sheffield uh, Sheffield United and got thoroughly soaked. But uh, it was a great experience, great fun when you're 15, 16 years old. Um, now, yeah, my seat is actually now in the shed up, weirdly sort of in the same part of the ground. Actually, if you sort of look at it, I'm 
uh, upper tier, three rows from the front, uh, right by the corner flag, and it's absolutely perfect. I love it there. Yeah. I even crazy like it when Chelsea play well, but, you know, you can't have everything. <laughs> Uh, later on in that season, Chelsea beat Slovan Bratislava in the Cup Winners' Cup first round, uh, and then they were drawn away at Tromso. Uh, this town in Norway is actually in the Arctic Circle. And on the 23rd of October, Wise captained the team in what will always be remembered as a game of two halves. The first half was cold, and the Blues found themselves 2-0 down within 20 minutes. But during the half-time break, a blizzard appeared, and it just covered the pitch with snow. The referee, though, decided it was fine to continue playing on, despite protests from Rude Hullet. With five minutes to go, Viali pulled one back, but Tromso scored again a minute later. And in the final minute, Viali scored his second of the game, but a 3-2 defeat meant the Blues would need to win the return leg. Chris, what are your memories of this game? And why do you think Wise wore a short-sleeve shirt when many others prefer the long-sleeve version? Oh, it was hard, wasn't it? Um, I don't know. I've actually played football in a short sleeve shirt in, in the cold. And after a while, you don't notice it. Problem is, you, you don't notice anything else either. It's, it's too bloody cold. Um, well, it was on it was on Channel 5, um, I remember. And the fact that the, the snow just never stopped. I mean, it did get to the point where I think they had to actually stop the game to clear um, the markings and get the markings. And they were playing with an orange ball. Um, you wouldn't play in matches like that these days. I can't believe you would. Um, but Chelsea were just, uh, you know, some basic mistakes, but you could forgive them because of the conditions. You know, Tromso were clearly used to it and Chelsea clearly weren't. Um, you know, it, it was a weird game. Yeah, you came away thinking they'll be all right. They'll, they'll win the second leg. Um, but it was a joke. And Hullet was probably right to be quite, you know, sort of angry that it wasn't cancelled. People could have actually got quite badly injured in that match, but um, I think there was a snowball fight at one point as well, I seem to vaguely recall. But yeah, you wouldn't play like that now. I can't believe it. Uh, Chelsea did win the, the second leg convincingly and went and went through. Wise's next goal came in a 2-0 win against Everton at Stamford Bridge at the end of November. Um, with no Frank LeBeouf, it was down to Wise to take the penalty after Di Matteo was fouled in the box. Wise's penalty was struck hard, but Neville Southall couldn't do anything about it. And interestingly, 10 minutes later, Torandre Flo was taken down and the referee, Neil Barry, pointed to the spot again. But rather than Wise taking the penalty, even though he's still on the pitch, it was Zola who took it, who was on the pitch while Wise took the first one. So just very odd, odd situation there. Um, a 4-0 win at home to Derby came before the 6-1 drubbing of Tottenham at White Hart Lane. Uh, Chelsea were now up to second in the league, just three points behind Man United. And a month later, uh, he helped them beat Ipswich Town on penalties in the League Cup. And once again, he didn't take a penalty, but he had reached to help them reach the semi-finals with a meeting against Arsenal. On the 28th of January, Chelsea visited Highbury for the first leg of the League Cup. Arsenal took a 2-0 lead, but Mark Hughes pulled a goal back with 20 minutes to go. Ten days later, they lost 2-0 at Arsenal in the league. And the next game was the second leg of the Cup. But by then, Hullet had been sacked and Viali had agreed to become the new manager. With what's gone on, Chris, um, since Hullet took over, how do you think he did as manager? And what do you think his legacy at Chelsea will be? Um, I think his legacy is, we, we obviously never saw him in his prime as a player, but I think lots of people who did see him play, for Chelsea will maintain he's still probably one of the best 
best players I ever saw. Um, to describe seeing him live, he had so much time on the ball. He was so accurate with his passing. He was graceful. He just sort of sauntered over the pitch without looking like he was breaking sweat. You know, like the only way I can describe it is he looked like a 15-year-old playing football with a group of, you know, seven-year-olds running around him, couldn't get the ball off him. Um, his legacy, <clears throat> excuse me, is, is secure in terms of, um, you know, what he brought to the club. He brought um, players who still are revered by by fans. He won the FA Cup. Um, had he stayed, um, I think he probably would have won more, actually. I know hindsight suggests that, you know, we, we know that they did go on to be successful. Um, I don't think we ever fully know what, what happened. Clearly, there was an issue over contracts and and Hullet wanted to play because he was still playing a bit at that point um although I don't think he should have been I think he was past it but um yeah whether Rude you know sort of got a little bit too big for his boots I don't know but I mean you know you can't deny some of the football that team played was superb and the players he signed were were so good in class and um players likewise as I said before stepped up they they met the opportunity head on, and he had a really good blend of of English players, British players who were grounded in the Premier League, with exceptionally talented players coming in. Players we wouldn't have got a Zola if it hadn't been at Chelsea. Um, I think that sort of says it all, really. Thank you. And um, Chelsea did end up actually winning that second leg three one, and it would mean that Wise would captain his side at Wembley again for the third time in less than a year, uh, where they play Middlesbrough again in the final. In between Viali's first game as manager and the final, um, the Blues beat Real Betis 5-2 on aggregate, setting up a Cup Winners' Cup semi-final against Vicenza from Italy. On the 29th of March, Chelsea played Borough in the League Cup final, hoping to repeat the success they'd had. Uh, Middlesbrough's team featured Mark Schwarzer in goal and Andy Townsend in midfield. But this time things weren't as easy and after 90 minutes, the score was still 0-0. However, five minutes into extra time, Zola found Wise out on the right. His poor touch almost led to the ball going out of play, but he stretched his uh, his leg out as an attempt to cross the ball, and it was met by the head of Frank Sinclair. This would then turn out to be Frank's last game for the club, but with 10 minutes later, uh, Dimitao scored to make it 2-0 and ensured that Chelsea won the League Cup for the first time since 1965. But instead of Wise going out to lift the trophy, he decided that it should be Viali who did the honours after deciding to leave himself out of the squad that day. So, Chris, what do you remember about this match? And um, what do you think it says about Wise to let Viali lift the trophy rather than himself? I think it shows, and it had gone back the season before, Wise clearly, there was a great deal of affection for Viali as a player. They all recognised this was a guy who, you know, won the European Cup with Juventus. He was a revered name. In Italian football and the fact that he'd come over, yeah, later on in his career, but he was still only about 31, 32, um, to, to play in, in the English top flight with Chelsea. Um, they clearly had a lot of affection for him and wanted him to succeed as a manager. I mean, when he took over as manager, it was must admit it was a bit bolt from the blue to find out that Viali was suddenly manager. But they clearly rallied round him. And um, you could see in the performance in that semi-final second leg against Arsenal that that Chelsea, Chelsea were so on top that night with some superb goals by Petrescu and I think Di Matteo as well, both of them superb um, finishes. And uh, the final itself, yeah, it, it, we all knew it wouldn't be like the cup final in 97. Middlesbrough were dogged, albeit 
they were a second division side. I think Gascoigne, they signed Gascoigne at that point. I think he came on in the second half, but he was past it at that point. He, he wasn't the player he was. Um, Chelsea, yeah, I don't think there were many chances. It wasn't a massively, it wasn't an enthralling game, but Chelsea always had the control and they probably did deserve it. You know, they, I was, again, I was playing for someone like Sinclair actually for scoring in a, in the Wembley final, you know, after the 94 final, to actually do that was brilliant. And, um, yeah, winning the League Cup, great. Again, building on what they'd done before. They hadn't won it for 30-odd years at that point. So to actually do it again and, you know, suddenly win another trophy, um, yeah, you won't argue with that. Uh, just four days later, Chelsea would travel to Vicenza for the first leg of the Cup Winners' Cup. The home side featured Gabriel Ambrosetti, a player, uh, a player later to be dubbed the Italian Ryan Giggs. And after 16 minutes, uh, Lamberto Zoli's long and bandy legs did enough to beat Ed De Hoy in what would end up being the only goal of the game. On the 16th of April, they welcomed Vicenza to Stamford Bridge in what would become one of the most memorable nights ever seen at Stamford Bridge. Uh, Pascual Luiso scored and then celebrated by putting his finger over his lips to send a message to the Chelsea fans. This made it 1-0 to Vicenza on the night and 2-0 on aggregate. And it meant Chelsea needed to score at least three times because of the away goals rule. A few minutes later, Gus Poyer had only played 30 minutes of football since the beginning of October. He equalised after Zola's shot was parried straight to him. Early in the second half, Chelsea pulled another goal back, courtesy of a header from Zola. And Mark Hughes, appearing as a, as a sub, scored to make it 3-1 on the night. This was the final score, and it meant the Blues were on their way to another major European Cup final. Chris, what do you remember about this game? And why do you think the team were doing so well in Cup competitions? I got soaked. <laughs> I was on the West Stand that night. I was literally on the back, back row of the West Stand, and it was still being built. So it was absolutely pouring down. And uh, yeah, I spent the entire evening sort of wiping rain off my glasses. Um, why they were they were they always a really good cup side of the place, Chelsea at that point? They'd obviously had really good cup runs, and even you know, 95, 94, 93, they'd had the league cup run, uh, 92 FA Cup. So they were building, there was some degree of consistency there. They raised their game, they were still doing okay in the league, but they were going to run out of steam. But they'd had a taste of, you know, trophies. They'd won the FA Cup. They'd won the League Cup. Um, they were well-placed even before the Cup Minister Cup started that run to, um, to you know, favourites to win it. And the game itself, it was absolutely, again, it's a cliche, but it was one of the best games I've seen at Chelsea. And those European nights, you know, it, is a, it does sound a bit like Anfield, but the atmosphere was brilliant. Um, it helps if it's absolutely pouring down because everyone's standing up. Um and um, yeah, but, uh, Chelsea met Vicenza head on. Vicenza deserved the first leg, to be fair, actually, out in Italy. They did deserve to win that match. Um, but the second leg, once Chelsea were ahead, once Hughes had got that winner, um, you know, you could feel that destiny was with them. Albeit, I think the last seconds, um, De Hoy has to pull off a really good save as the ball goes flying across the front of Chelsea's goal. And I do remember at the time thinking, heart in mouth time, that ball's going in. And fortunately, it doesn't. And at the end, the celebrations were, were absolutely superb. I think Wise actually goes and grabs a small child out of the crowd, as, as was his want occasionally, and sort of took him around on the lap of honour, which then sees some sort of scared, desperate father who on one hand is really excited, but also 
probably going to get in trouble if he doesn't come home with his 10-year-old. So, um, yeah, I do, I do remember that sort of seeing him go around. But great, you know, the cup is cut. People nowadays will sort of poo-poo it. But, yeah, that was superb um, competition and brilliant, brilliant night. Uh, Chelsea's final league game of the season saw them beat and relegate Bolton Wanderers 2-0. This ensured the Blues finished fourth in the league, their highest ever in the top division since 1970. On the 13th of May, Chelsea travelled to Stockholm in Sweden for their Cup Winners' Cup final against Stuttgart. This time, Viali had decided to play himself up front with Tor Andre Flo, meaning that Hughes and Zola were only on the bench. At half-time, the score was still nil-nil, and in the 71st minute, Viali decided to make a sub, and he took off Flo and replaced him with Zola. Less than a minute later, Dennis Wise had the ball and his first time lobbed pass was latched onto by Zola, whose first time shot flew into the back of the net and Chelsea were now 1-0 up. And with five minutes to go, Dan Petrescu was sent off for a late challenge, leaving them down to 10 men. However, in the final minute, one of the Stuttgart players has shown a red card for an off-the-ball incident and the score ended 1-0 with uh, Zola scoring the goal and ensuring Chelsea had won their second trophy of the season in the process. Uh, at this point then, Dennis Wise had become the most successful captain in the club's history and he was also named Chelsea's Player of the Year. So Chris, how good was this 97-98 team? And at this point, do you think Wise deserved to be called up for the England squad during this time? Because he hadn't been done so uh, since Hoddle had become the England manager. I think he was clearly playing in one of the top sides in the country. You know, this, this was a side that had won three major trophies inside uh, the space of, of 12 months. A side that okay, hadn't competed necessarily in the league. I don't think we were really ever that close to. I think Arsenal did the double that year, ultimately. I don't think we, we challenged for a bit. We're still top four. That, you know, modern football, that, that gets you Champions League football. Um, so White, White had stepped up. He was playing in a much better Chelsea side than the one that Hoddle had um, had been manager of. Um, so I always felt at the time he deserved at least some some call up and recognition of of what he'd done. I mean, the pass itself for Zola, um, the speed of the pass, about that he rebounds to him, I think, and he gets it straight into Zola's uh, Zola's feet from the edge of the box. Phenomenal player pass. You know, if that happened in the Champions League, if you know, a player did that, they'd be sort of waxing lyrical about it. So I think it was unfairly overlooked by, by Hoddle as a result of that. I mean, I was in Stockholm. It was an absolutely superb atmosphere. Again, you know, about 30-odd thousand Chelsea fans out there. Um, there were some of them still trying to get home from the uh, airport car park, I believe, but um, that's another story. But um, no, I mean, brilliant. Chelsea deserved it. I'd, I'd forgotten Petrescu got sent off until you mentioned that. I suddenly thought, did it? Um, but no, you're right. I, I think he did. Um, but yeah, White, White was unfairly treated, actually, by Hoddle. Um, it was um, whether that went back to their relationship at, the, at Chelsea when he was manager. I don't know, but he deserved He deserved it at least get some sort of recognition. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly treated there. Thank you, Chris. And uh, in the summer of 1998, Chelsea broke their club record signing again when Pierluigi Casaraghi joined from Lazio for £5.4 million. And he was joined by Albert Ferrer from Barcelona, Brian Laudrup from Rangers and Marcel Desailly from AC Milan. Now, uh, at this point, Wise is being surrounded by even more quality in the squad. On the opening day of the season, Chelsea started with Coventry away again. Uh, the Blues lost 2-1 with Poyet getting the only Chelsea goal. 
However, this was a ma- uh, this match was a milestone in the club's history as it was the first time they'd ever fielded 11 internationals in the starting lineup. And on the 28th of August 1998, Chelsea played in the UEFA Super Cup after winning the Cup Winners' Cup the previous season. And they played the winners of the Champions League, which was Real Madrid, and they played them out in Monaco. And although the Blues were the underdogs, it was Poyet's goal that gave them a one-deal win against the Spanish Giants. And then Wise lifted again another trophy as captain. Chris, what are your memories of the Super Cup? And where does that trophy rank when it's compared to other trophies? Um, I must admit, you don't, I wasn't, well, it was great winning it as confirmation you've won a major European trophy. So it's quite nice, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, put that Poirier goal actually in, in the final against Real Madrid, that was a sort of typical goal Poirier got. You know, he's contributed so many important goals uh, for the club. And as a midfielder, I mean, now you, you'd sort of kill for that. How much Poirier would be worth in the open market now? Easily 50-odd million pounds, I should imagine. Um, but it was great. I mean, I didn't expect us to win. It was Real Madrid. But to be fair to Chelsea, they did. They deserved it. And it was a, it was a fantastic uh, trophy to win. And in those days, you could have... You, you probably still can now, actually. But uh, you can have your photo taken with the trophy. So you can have your photo taken with the League Cup and the, the Super Cup and the Cup Winners' Cup. And I think Ken Bates charged you probably 15, 20 quid or something to go up and get your photo taken. If you wanted it framed, it was probably even more, knowing, knowing Ken... And um, away you go. And somewhere I do have those photos of me standing there quite awkwardly with a mobile phone sticking out of my pocket at the size of a brick whilst I'm holding the, uh, the UEFA Super Cup. Um, so happy, happy memories. It's quite big as well, actually. But yeah, but no, they deserved it. They, they beat Real Madrid. So, you know, can't argue with that. Uh, Chelsea followed up this result with a lengthy unbeaten run. On the 28th of October, they welcomed Aston Villa to Stamford Bridge for a League Cup third round tie. Things didn't start well when Mark Draper scored a direct free kick after just 10 minutes. And around the half-hour mark, Viali equalised. In the second half, Viali added two more to claim his hat-trick and Tor Andre Flo also scored a header, courtesy of an assist by Wise from a free kick. In the 86th minute, Dan Petrescu was replaced by John Terry, who was making his debut. And then moments later, Wise was shown a straight red card for a two-footed challenge on Darren Byfield. And he was given a three-match suspension because of this. On the 5th of December, 1998, Chelsea travelled to Goodison Park for a Premier League game against Everton. In the third minute, Wise was shown a yellow card for fouling Danny Kadamatari. And uh, after half an hour, he was shown a red card for a late tackle on Marco Matarazzi. The game ended nil-nil, and after the match, um, they asked Fiali what was his reaction to the sending off, and he replied by saying, no comment, um, but all he would say is that the less we speak about Dennis, the better for him, for Chelsea, for the English game, and for referees. And Wise later said, I don't know if Gianluca is furious with me, but he didn't seem too upset with me after the match. I expect we'll have a chat, but uh, whatever said will be between him and me. So, Chris, these were actually um, two red cards, but they're the first ones he's had since 1994. Um, and do you think Viali liked Wise's aggressive style of play or had it become a hindrance at this point? I don't think it was a... Um... I don't think it was a hindrance. It wasn't a hindrance to the, the extent that it had been in the, the early days, certainly of Hoddle's 
reign and, and the points when he was he was one of the best players in a pretty average side. You know, I'm not saying that was a consolation that he was missing these these games through that. I do remember the Villa, the game against Villa in the League Cup, it was a, such an unnecessary challenge. It was a really nasty challenge. It was two-footed. Chelsea were cruising it. You know, Chelsea were so in control. It wasn't like we were losing and everyone was getting frustrated. Um, it was at the time it was a stupid challenge. You know, the red mist just descended. Um, yeah, there's a fine line between passion sometimes and, um, you know, in blind enthusiasm, shall we say. Um, but it was typical of him, actually. Those kind of challenges were what he would get sent off for. Um, 50-50s, trying to make his mark, getting in there early. Um, Goodison's always a horrible place to go. Always hard matches up there. Um, Chelsea's record up there in recent times isn't particularly great. And I think it was pretty so-so back in the mid to late 90s. But, I mean, yeah, Viali, again, I don't think Viali ever stripped him of the captaincy. So he obviously stuck with him. In a way that if Hoddle had still been manager, then I don't doubt Dennis would have <laughs> survived as team captain by then. Thank you. Um, in Wise's absence because of the suspension, Chelsea beat Tottenham 2-0 at Stamford Bridge to sit top of the Premier League at that point. And then on the 2nd of January 1999, Chelsea started with an FA Cup third round match against Oldham at Boundary Park. Uh, the Blues won the match 2-0 with both goals coming from Viali. Uh, Dennis Wise had also scored, um, but a handball from Celestine Baviara meant that his goal was disallowed. However, uh, a fan from the crowd uh, threw something towards the pitch and Sky reported that a rock was thrown and had hit the referee Paul Durkin and his head appeared bloody. But on later inspection, the rock was found to actually be a hot dog and the blood was just some tomato sauce. Um, In the next round, they played Oxford away. A huge shock was on the card when the home side took a 1-0 lead through Dean Windass. However, in the 90th minute, the Blues won a penalty when big Kevin Francis's clumsy tackle on Viali led to a, a spot kick and the Booth tapped it into the bottom corner to force a replay. The return leg at Stamford Bridge again started badly as Oxford went 1-0 up after five minutes. However, it wasn't long before Zola's pass found Wise, who was through on goal, and his left-footed strike gave his team an equaliser. Uh, it was also his first goal in almost a year. Chelsea then went 4-1 up, courtesy of Zola and a brace from Mikhail Forsell. And with only 15 minutes left to play, Wise was sent off, but not for a foul. Uh, instead, he'd used his hand to dive uh, to save a shot, and the referee had no choice but to point to the spot and show Wise the red card. This was his third sending off of the season. Uh, the penalty was then scored by Dean Windass. And despite his lack of discipline, Viali refused to drop his influential captain, especially as they're still challenging for the title and that fellow midfielder Gus Poyet had been ruled out with a long-term injury. Chris, what do you think people, including the media, would have said if Chelsea and their international superstars had been knocked out by Oxford United back then? I would have absolutely loved it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced. You know, we we played Oxford in the cup, obviously in '94, and I think they taken the lead in that game as well. Dean Windass always had this habit of scoring against Chelsea. It didn't matter who he played for. It's like Brian um, Brian Dean used to do it when he was at Leeds and Sheffield United or wherever he was. He always used to score against us. It didn't matter how good the Chelsea side was, he'd score. No, they they would have absolutely loved it. Um, going up to Oldham and beating them was lovely because we never beat Oldham in the Premier League. 
horrible place, Boundary Park. I think we lost every game we played there in the Premier League. Um, they normally turn us over at the bridge. So actually winning on a really cold, horrible January day in the third round of the cup was lovely. Um, Oxford, yeah, that that would have, you know, that would have been fantastic for the media. But to be fair, Chelsea, they weren't being rolled over anymore. The, the teams of the early years of Wise's Chelsea career probably would have lost, actually, those matches. They probably would have gone out. This team was better. It had better character. It had players who, um, again, you know, were driven. They'd won stuff. They were streetwise. Um, they weren't stupid. And um, they got on with it, you know. And in context, actually, they were on a phenomenally good run of form. They'd not lost uh, uh, in the league since the only day of the season at that point, I don't think, or thereabouts. So, you know, they were they were up there challenging. So, you know, had if they had gone out, yeah, it would have been a hell of a shot, but they didn't let them. Uh, and Chelsea are still doing well in the Cup with this Cup at this point. They reached the quarterfinals after seeing off Copenhagen in the previous round. On the 4th of March, the Blues took on Valerenga from Norway at Stamford Bridge. A 3-0 win with goals from Babiaro, Zola, and then uh, later on a strike from Wisey. Went passage into the semi-final, should be plain sailing. A 3-2 win in the away leg with Wise wearing the armband for the 200th time. Meant that a 5-2 aggregate score would ensure they'd meet Real Mallorca in the semis. On the 8th of April, Mallorca came to Stamford Bridge and the visitors took a 1-0 lead through Danny after half an hour. Early in the second half, Tor Andre Flo had equalised after capitalising on Wise's knockdown and the match ended 1-1. Chelsea then lost the return leg 1-0 and missed out on reaching another cup final. This would also be Chelsea's last ever game in the competition as it became absorbed into the UEFA Cup uh, the following season. Uh, and in the final, Lazio beat Mallorca 2-1. Chris, do you think Chelsea should have won that competition? And um, out of all the, the moments from the Cup Winners' Cup, what's, what's uh, your favourite memory you have? Um, should they have won it? Yeah, they had the quality to win it. Um, but they couldn't get past Real Mallorca. Uh, that was really frustrating. Um, they, uh, they just didn't play well enough at the bridge. They should have should have won out of sight. Um, whether there was a degree of complacency, ironically, after that, I don't know. Out there, um, I think, to be honest, about 10 minutes ago, there was a certain inevitability that they weren't going to get past it. Um, that said, the final, Lazio would have been a very different prospect to Stuttgart the previous year. Lazio were a very, very good Serie A team at that point. They were very streetwise. It would have been a really absorbing final. And I think it would have been played at Villa Park, actually, at the final. So, I mean, it would have been, you know, well attended from, from Chelsea's side. So it was sad to go out like that. It would have been lovely to have retained the cup. No one, I don't think, ever actually did retain the Cup Winners' Cup in its first year year history. So that, that would have been nice. But um, favourite memories, um, obviously Stockholm is up there, Vicenza, um, Bruges in the 94-95 uh, run. Uh, that was phenomenal. Again, Wise didn't play, he was injured, but that was a brilliant night um, to come back from 1-0 down. Again, in the pouring rain, it always has to be raining. Uh, David Rowcastle, I think, played one of his last matches for Chelsea that night, and um, that was that was a brilliant atmosphere. So I'd say uh, Stockholm, but Vicenza and Bruges were superb. With, with special mention, actually, to Zara Goffer uh, at home, purely because Paul Furlong, uh, I think, scores a goal off his backside 
uh, to sort of put Chelsea I think, one up on the night. And uh, one of the lads I was with, he started a chant. I found out how you start chants at football matches and he started it on his own and it went on for 10 minutes and it gradually started getting there until half the West Stand benches were singing, hole in your ferry, we drilled a hole in your ferry. Class. <clears throat> Thanks, Chris. Um, that loss to Real Mallorca came after a two-all draw with Leicester at Stamford Bridge, where the Blues were 2 new up with 10 minutes to go. But the Foxes' determination and Steve Guppy's strike earned them a point and all but ended Chelsea's title challenge. By the end of the 98-99 season, Chelsea finished third in the league, again, their highest finish, uh, and they'd reached the semi-final of the Cup Winners' Cup. Lost in a quarter-final replay to Man United and to Wimbledon in the League Cup at the same stage as well. They did beat Real Madrid to win the Super Cup and Dennis Weiser played 37 games, although only 22 in the league. He scored two goals but was given three red cards. Um, for the 99-2000 season, it's another summer and another record signing. This time it was of Blackburn striker and Premier League winner Chris Sutton for £10 million. He was joined by Didier Deschamps from Juve for three million, Jess Hogg from Fenerbahce for three hundred thirty-three thousand, and Gabriel Ambrosati for three and a half million from Vicenza. The club also said goodbye to Dimitri Karin, Eddie Newton, Andy Myers, and Michael Dubry. Some interesting ins and outs there. Uh, how would you rate this transfer window, and which signing do you think will be remembered the most? Very loaded question. <laughs> yes, oh, of course. Um, so it's funny, actually, I didn't realise we'd let um, sort of quite so many players go, players like Newton and, and Myers, that kind of thing. And Andy Myers was always sort of on the edges anyway, I suppose. Eddie Newton, I never felt, was quite the same after he broke his leg. He was on a phenomenal run of form in the mid-90s, and then, uh, you know, he, he wasn't quite the same player. Um, I suppose at the time, it was a real buzz around um, signing, well, yeah, they signed SIE the season before, World Cup winner. Um, they then get Deschamps, a World Cup winner. You know, a guy who I think had won the European Cup as well. Obviously, De, uh, Desai had. Um, yeah, I suppose it's a step up in quality. I didn't see Chris Sutton coming in any sense whatsoever, um, which, which was ironic because none of us really saw Chris Sutton at any point for the remainder of the season. I do remember £10 million... Uh, even then thinking that's a lot of money to spend on a striker. But as we've already discovered, um, Chelsea have a habit of spending an awful lot of money on strikers and it doesn't always mean you're going to get any goals. So I think obviously we wanted, we wanted him to do well. Um, Viali was obviously taking a step back at that point. I don't think Viali was playing so much at all um, at that stage. So it did. It did make sense, I suppose, in 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 several ways. But um, yeah, I don't remember everyone sort of thinking Chris Sutton was necessarily the answer. But at that point as well, foreign um, players were actually cheaper. English players were so expensive; um, they really were. They were a premium sort of cost in the Premier League. And Kazaragi having been injured after you know we signed in the the season before for I think again you know a really big amount. He didn't work out. He lost his career playing for Chelsea. Um, the curse of the Chelsea front line, you know, has been well established, as we say, for 30-odd years. Interesting transfer window, I think, as we will discover. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. 
The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jij? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. And Chelsea started their usual pre-season with a game against Kingstonian, in which Wise and uh, his men won 3-0. There were several other friendlies, including an 8-0 win against Omar Town to help with the Omar disaster fund back then. However, perhaps the most important friendly came on the 31st of July against Bologna at Stamford Bridge. This was Dennis Wise's testimonial to celebrate his 10 years for the club. Uh, just over 27,000 were in attendance. Uh, it should have been more, but the West Ham wasn't open for this game. Wise started the match, but he came off just before half-time for Viali, and the match ended nil-nil. Uh, and this was actually the last ever testimonial that Chelsea have put on for a player. The first competitive match of the season came at home to Sunderland on the 7th of August. The Blues got off to a good start when Wise's corner was headed home by Gus Poyet. Zola and Flo also scored before Poyet added a fourth. Uh, this was perhaps the greatest ever goal scored on the opening day of a Premier League at the time. A long ball from Deschamps found Zola in space, and then the little Italian waited for movement from Poyet. He was sprinting into the box, and then, as, as you've seen, Zola would have scooped the ball into the box, and Poyet smashed it in with a scissor kick volley past Thomas Sorensen to seal a 4-0 victory and top spot on the first day of the season. Four days later, Chelsea played their first ever match in the Champions League. It came against Scontariga in the third preliminary round of uh, the Cup at Stamford Bridge. Weiss captained the side and claimed another assist again for Poyet as the Blues ran out 3-0 winners with Sutton getting his first goal for the club. The following weekend, Chelsea travelled to Leicester for a Premier League clash at Filbert Street. The Leicester team featured former Chelsea youth products Muzzy Azir and Frank Sinclair. It was Leicester who took the lead through Emil Heskey, but early in the second half, Albert Ferrer put in a fantastic cross that Wise headed in to equalise. With a minute to go, 
Ferrer fouled Heskey in the box and the referee pointed to the spot. It was Muzzy, is it, who converted the penalty and it looks as if he'd earned his side all three points. However, in the final minute, a calamitous error from Frank Sinclair meant that his header beat his own keeper to make it 2 all. Um, so an interesting start to the season. Um, how do you think Wise and his team had, had done up till this point? Obviously, we had the, the, the big win against Sunderland, played in the Champions League, and now a, a, an odd draw against Leicester. What was them, the start of the season like, do you think? I think it was... I think they were suddenly having to adapt to playing much better quality sides in the Champions League. So with the greatest respect to what they played in the Cup Winners' Cup, to suddenly be playing AC Milan. Uh, I can remember the buzz that night thinking, I think Paolo Maldini was still with AC Milan at that point. Um, probably me both for his career, actually. Uh, that was so exciting to actually see, you know, European Cup football finally at Chelsea after about 45 years of, of waiting or whatever you know that that was fantastic so they were probably finding it hard to to adapt between the two um if you think back when united were winning the league united actually found it quite hard in the european cup you know they they found it actually really really hard going whereas um you know in the league they were fine chelsea i think actually took took quite well to the to the cup winners cup uh, sorry to the to the european cup champions league but yeah, the form, the, the Sunderland game was brilliant that day. You know, that there was everything worked, everything clicked, apart from the Fortes to come. I think Chris Sutton misses at least two one-on-ones with the keeper. Um, and you can see they were desperate for him to try and score, and he didn't. And then, I mean, Flo comes on and scores in about 10 seconds of getting on the pitch. Um, the Leicester game, though, it was actually quite reassuring to know that um, Frank Sinclair could score own goals for whichever club side he played for. Loved him as a guy wholehearted as a player um and gave actually 100 100% which is what you want you know you can never fault his effort but Frank was always liable to give you own goals and I think he continued that at Leicester in a spectacular way for quite a few matches that season um I think he scored a 40 yard own goal which really is something so there you go yeah funny start to the season though yeah, you mentioned there that we played Milan. So we, we got through past Sconto and uh, we were drawn in a group with Milan, which was Desai's former team. We had Hertha Berlin of Germany and Galatasaray from Turkey. And on the 15th of September, it was Milan featuring Andrei Shevchenko, who came to Stamford Bridge. Uh, I say it was a huge night in the history of Chelsea Football Club. The game actually ended nil-nil. But the Blues have shown that they've got the credentials to hold their own against some of the best that Europe had to offer. Wise's next match was an away game against Hertha Berlin, but they lost 2-1. But consecutive 1-0 wins against Middlesbrough and Galatasaray came next. On the 3rd of October 1999, Chelsea played Man United at home. The match started off with Poyet scoring in the first minute. Sutton then made it 2-0 after a quarter of an hour. And soon after came a moment of controversy. Uh, Dennis Wise put in a karate-like challenge on Nicky Butt, which earned uh, United a free kick. And whilst both players were down on the floor, Wise pinched the inside of Butt's leg and he retaliated by kneeing, uh, kneeing Wise. Uh, referee Dermot Gallagher showed Butt the red card and uh, Wise only a yellow. And as I think you mentioned earlier, Sir Alex Ferguson would later say that Wise could start a row in an empty house. Uh, Chelsea then scored three more, including a strike from Jody Morris, followed by his famous trombone celebration. 
The 5-0 win was the biggest the Blues had ever inflicted on United in their history. Uh, Chris, what are your memories of this 5-0 match against United? It was sheer, it was delicious. That we'd Bear in mind, we'd, we'd been hammered by them in the Cup. Um, I think a couple of seasons before, they'd knocked us out 5-3. Uh, they knocked us out of the FA Cup the previous season again. Uh, we couldn't beat them at Stamford Bridge for ages, actually. We 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 had a real issue uh, playing United at the, at the bridge, whereas we always had a good record at Old Trafford. United, to be fair, had a good one at, at Stamford Bridge, so it was getting a bit boring seeing them beat us. And I remember that day, I mean, as you say, even Chris Sutton scored, which was was saying something. United were going through that phase where they lost, Peter Spiegel had, had gone, and they were having lots of trouble with their goalkeepers. And uh, I think Massimo Tabisi, I think his name was, was was United's keeper that day. And um, I think he only ever played two or three matches for them. And in that one in particular, he didn't um, cover himself in glory. But that said, Chelsea were actually played really well. They were they were all over United and gave you a taste again of what they could do. You know, as a, as a as a team, the players they had there, they could play really well. Against United, as you say, United ultimately went on, I think, to win the league that season and probably won it quite easily, uh, which would have been frustrating because Chelsea should have, you know, with the quality, been closer and they proved it against them. On the 10th of October, uh, Wise played for England as a sub, beating Belgium 2-1. It was his first cap since 1996 and Hoddle had gone by this point and Kevin Keegan was the, the England manager now. And Wise came on for Frank Lampard, who was making his England debut. Wise's next match was away to Liverpool, but he was shown a red card in the 88th minute after a challenge on Vladimir Smitsa. Four days later, Chelsea travelled to Galatasaray, in which many of the Turkish fans tried to intimidate the Blues, including a welcome to hell messages. Flo gave Chelsea the lead after half an hour, but a second half route saw the Blues win 5-0, with Wise scoring an easy tap-in from Flo in the process. At the end of the match, the Galatasaray fans applauded Chelsea off the pitch. Next up came a visit from London rivals Arsenal, Chelsea were 2-0 up with 15 minutes to go before Carnu scored a hat-trick for the Reds. And then on the 26th of October, Chelsea travelled to Milan to face the Italian giants at the San Siro. If the Blues could avoid defeat, then they would be favourites to qualify from the first group stage. Uh, so it was a massive opportunity and a huge night. Uh, but it turned sour when Oliver Bierhoff's header on the counter-attack put Milan 1-0 up with 15 minutes to go. Fiali then decided to bring on Di Matteo for Gus Poyet, but it was a, an inspired decision as a few minutes later, his exquisite pass found Wise running through on goal. His superb control with his right foot allowed him to have a left-footed shot that beat Christian Aviati in the Milan goal. And Wise had scored the important equaliser and the game ended 1-1. Chris, you know what I'm going to ask you? What do you remember about this game and how important was Wise's goal? I think Dennis Weiss got a very good goal in, you know, I think it was in the San Siro, wasn't it? Um, it was, I mean, he, he sort of, it was so frustrating, actually, because you could see they were doing, you know, they had a bit of a ropey start in the Champions League, actually. Once they got past the, the qualifying and, and the first match, I think they lost to her for Berlin out there, and it was a little bit dodgy at points. But then they started getting to grips with it, and you could see that they were playing really well, as frustrating as it was in the league. You know, the league form started falling away. I think they'd lost to Watford. They'd lost, as you say, to, 
Arsenal, and I still have nightmares about that game. Um, even now, when Chelsea go 2 0 up in any match, I still think, yeah, but what about that game against Arsenal? And I, a friend of mine who was an Arsenal fan took great delight in showing me that at every opportunity whenever I went around his house. So that, that was that was joyous. Um, again, why sort of stepped up in quality, you know, against AC Milan out there in the San Siro, hostile environment, classic sort of European night. You know, I think there was loads of smoke bombs let off. Um, Chelsea had shown that they could go somewhere like Galatasaray. That was a superb performance, even... Even the Italian Ryan Giggs, as you say, scored uh, scored one of his few goals for Chelsea. Um, so, yeah, you know, you, you looked at it and they, they belonged there. They weren't an aberration. They weren't a team that were just making up the numbers. They were they were having a really good go and it was a brilliant experience, um, you know, to, 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 to see. And it was great that they weren't just getting by. They were, they were sort of making a statement. But unfortunately, it would fall away in the league. And, and that was the first time that had happened, actually, for, you know, the performances started declining as opposed to them building the previous three or four seasons. Um, it started to become apparent that, hold on a minute, we're losing or drawing matches here, which we probably shouldn't be doing. Um, you know, you, I think the, the aim was great to be in the Champions League. Let's get in there again next year. Um, let's make a statement again. And that started to be a bit of a concern at that point. Thank you. Um, Chelsea did beat Hertha Berlin 2-0 in November, meaning they qualified from the first group stage. And then they entered a second group phase, um, which is what they had back in those days. That was uh, mad. They- I was going to say, it was a two-group system, wasn't it? You wouldn't get that now. They ended up playing something like 16 games or something in the Champions League, which is mad. <laughs> um, and then in that second phase, they uh, had Feyenoord of Holland, Marseille of France and Lazio of Italy. And Wise captained his side to a 3-1 victory against Feyenoord, featuring uh, Bonaventure Kalou, the brother of future Chelsea player Salomon Kalou. And Chelsea drew 0-0 with Lazio, featuring another future blue in um, Juan Sebastian Verón. On the 11th of December, Chelsea started their FA Cup campaign back in December with a 6-1 win against Hull City. Goals from Sutton, Di Matteo, and a hat-trick from Gus Poyet came before Wise added the sixth after some excellent dribbling and a little deflection. And then on Boxing Day 1999, Chelsea made football history. Graham Lasso was injured, Chris Sutton had flu, and Wise was absent as his wife was due to give birth. This meant that the Blues fielded a starting eleven without an Englishman. Emerson Tome was making his debut as the first Brazilian to play for the club. And Chelsea won 2-1 with both goals coming from Flo. Uh, Chris, what do you remember about this issue at the time um, with no English players in the side? Um, and do you think it should matter where players come from? I don't think it matters now. At the time, um, Chelsea's foreign legion, I mean, that had been well established, you know, um, by the... Uh, by the press, and I do remember at the time there being quite an outcry about it. Um, no, it doesn't really matter where the players come from. I mean, you've got to remember at that point we weren't actually bringing many players through from from the youth system. There have been some promising players, but you know, clearly a lot of them ultimately weren't really making the grade. Um, Chelsea were keen to try and get in, you know, some some obviously clearly really good players. They weren't prepared to pay. The premium odds which you were getting for for players in the English players 
Um, so clearly, you know, they were looking abroad. And at the end of the day, it didn't really matter where they came from um, as long as they were doing the goods. And that day, it, yeah, it did. It was quite controversial. But um, it didn't matter. I think Chelsea won. And um, so it went on, went on from there, really. Thank you. Um, on the 29th of December, Wise uh, scored the opening goal in a 3-0 win against Sheffield Wednesday with an easy tap-in. And this was the last game of the century for the Blues. And Jody Morris scored the third goal of the game. And with that, he scored the last ever Premier League goal of the millennium. On the 12th of January 2000, Chelsea welcomed Spurs to Stamford Bridge. The game looked to be heading for a goalless draw until Wise put in a cross that was headed in by the club's newest signing and former World Player of the Year, George Weir, and the Blues won 1-0. Uh, in the fourth round of the FA Cup, Chelsea beat Nottingham Forest 2-0, with Wise getting on the score sheet again after heading in Jody Morris's cross. And soon after, they beat Leicester in the fifth round, but Wise was sent off for the eighth and final time in his Chelsea career after picking up two yellow cards, meaning that he would miss the quarterfinals. In March, things were going well for Wise as he'd scored in three consecutive games. He got the only goal of the game against Marseille, the opener in a one-all draw with Everton and a header away at Feyenoord. 3-1 win against the Dutch side meant that they'd made it through to the quarterfinals where they would meet European giants Barcelona. On the 5th of April, the Spanish side visited Stamford Bridge for the biggest night in the club's history. Many pundits had written Chelsea off, believing that this would be a match that was just too much for the Blues. However, Wise and his men were out to prove them wrong, and uh, a masterclass from them meant that they went 3-0 up in the first half. As they said on uh, the commentary, Chelsea were in dreamland. Luis Figo scored what seemed to be a consolation goal with half an hour to go, but it wasn't enough, and Chelsea won the first leg 3-1. Chris, what are your memories of this night and uh, winning 3-1? Did you expect Chelsea to go through to the semi-finals? No. <laughs> I always, it's funny, I always felt that goal that Figo got back was actually going to be a really, really critical one. Um, Chelsea played really well. And um, ironically, actually, as we'll no doubt discuss at one point in the future, you know, blue blood Barcelona away in a first half blitz. Um and deserve to be, you know, 3-0 up. Uh, Flo and Zola were brilliant that night. It's Jody Morris, you know, Wise, etc. Um, but I always felt that goal was going to be critical because you go out to the new camp and Barcelona were, you know, they, they, I think they'd won the Cup Winners' Cup three years before that. They were obviously, a, you know, even then a massive European power. And this wasn't a Champions League group game. This was knockout. And, um, yeah, if you can lose 1-0 at Vicarage Road, then, you know, I was trying to be realistic. But then I'm always a bit pessimistic sometimes when it comes to Chelsea. So, yeah, I was I was concerned at that point. It's sad now because I should have enjoyed that match more. But, um, yeah, I came away thinking, might not quite go our way. Great game, though. Great performance. Four days later, Chelsea bet Newcastle in the FA Cup semi-final at Wembley after breezing past Gillingham 5-0 in the previous round. Um, <clears throat> the Geordies were sporting the Premier League's all-time top goal scorer, Alan Shearer, who joined the club in the summer for a British transfer record of £15 million. But it was Poyet who gave Chelsea the lead after 17 minutes. Um, however, Rob Lee equalised in the second half before Poyet added a second to give the Blues a 2-1 win 
meaning that Wise and the team were heading to Wembley for another cup final. On the 18th of April, Chelsea went to Barcelona for their second leg of the Champions League quarterfinal. The Spaniards took a 2-0 lead and they were heading to the semi-finals on away goals. However, Flo got a goal back, meaning that they were in the driving seat. But a third goal from Barcelona meant the game was heading for extra time. But with five minutes to go, Frank Leboeuf gave away a penalty. Rivaldo had the honours of the spot kick, but uh, he put his shot wide. And so another 30 minutes would be needed to separate the two teams. In the 98th minute, Chelsea gave away another penalty, which resulted in Babiaro being sent off. This time, Luis Figo took the spot kick and scored. And a final goal from Patrick Clivert meant that Barcelona won 5-1 on the night. Um, I know you mentioned earlier that you didn't expect this to win this game, but how well do you think Chelsea did to get so far in the Champions League in their debut season? And what's your best memory of this campaign? I think it it, it showed that, as uh, I said before, they could compete at that level. You know, to get to the quarterfinals of the European Cup, to take a side like Barcelona um, apart in the in the first leg, certainly the first half of the first leg, um, and and Chelsea had to dig deep in various matches in that in that tournament. Um, you know, they had to fight their way out of a say it was a two group system, uh, which nowadays would be absolutely bizarre. But back then, that's how it was. It was a grind. You know. They adapted really well. They adapted to playing better quality sides than they'd met in Europe. They had a degree of European experience as a club. Clearly, the players they brought in had European Cup experience. Desailly, Deschamps, you know, World Cup winners, guys who knew what it took. Um, it was a statement. It was it was great. It was a real buzz. The disappointment, I can remember, wasn't so much going out against Barcelona. You know, hands up, <laughs> it's Barcelona. Uh, they acquit themselves well out there um it was the fact that the league form would always drop away after they played these matches it was always you know the balance was never there it was always you know almost like well to qualify for the champion you have to win it now you know um which at the time was was going to be beyond them my best memory would still be playing actually ac milan at the bridge in the first match uh, it was nil nil but it was a great atmosphere chelsea you you watched it you, they didn't look out of place at all, and although it was great to see a team like Milan, um, as I say they weren't quite in their pomp at that point. Um, they still, I think, won the European Cup four or five years before that. They that late eighties AC Milan side that had retained it were one of the best sides ever. There were still sort of key players dotted around that side, and to play them at the Bridge and um, not look out of place that was that was great. That was that was that was my favourite memory of that that competition that year. Thank you. And as, as you mentioned, that inconsistent form meant that Chelsea finished fifth place. And so they've missed out on Champions League qualification for the, for the next season. However, there was still one match left, and that was the FA Cup final. On the 20th of May 2000, Wembley hosted its last FA Cup final before it would be knocked down and completely rebuilt. The Blues were facing Aston Villa, who finished one place below them in the league. Dennis Wise and Gareth Southgate would captain their sides on the day. Uh, Viali's only Englishman was wise in that starting lineup. Uh, Aston Villa's George Boateng was booked in the first five minutes for a foul on Wise, and then 20 minutes later, he got his revenge on him uh, and but a yellow card of his own. Roberto Di Matteo scored the only goal of the game, and the Blues had won their third FA Cup. 
the game was less memorable than the trophy lifting, though. Dennis Wise and his team went to collect it, but um, with a few additions, as you kind of mentioned a bit earlier, the players had gone and found their own children and brought them up with them. Uh, when Wise was finally handed the cup, he lifted it with one hand while holding his newly born son, sporting a Chelsea shirt with daddy on the back in his other hand. Uh, Chris, what did you think of this moment of the players taking their kids up? And uh, what memories do you have of the old Wembley? Um, I'll, I'll be honest, I couldn't actually see they had kids with them properly from where I was. <laughs> Not only later on when they came down with them, you sort of saw wise or awkwardly lifting the cup, you know, so one-handed, so you assumed something was going on. It's very sweet. I think it annoyed some people at the FA. Um, but, you know, if you can't sort of share it with the with the family, then then why not? It scares me now that Henry is about, what, 22 years old and I think having trials somewhere, so that, that, that's quite scary. Um, the game itself, as you say, was pretty awful. Chelsea was the better side. The goal actually wasn't that great. It came from a mistake by David James, but Chelsea, you know, Chelsea deserved to win it. And winning, I mean, it's brilliant. Winning, winning the cup again, you yeah, know, that, that was superb. Um, I remember the old Wembley, I mean, yeah, you have to sort of appreciate it to, to have to live through it to sort of see its nuances. Um, it had charm in a way, but at other points, it also had various bits in it, which I can remember, I think, going to one of the um, charity shield matches and the toilets were overflowing and everyone decided to just stand against the wall and do their business. And uh, there's a small lake started to appear and this was about two or three years before they knocked it down. And then you sort of come away thinking, yeah, the National Stadium, it's uh, it's 70 years old. It's probably time to uh, to get it on. Um, so the Twin, Twin Towers were lovely. I did the tour of it, actually, the season that they, uh, it's last season in 2000, when they knocked it down. I, I recruited mates, we went up there and you were able to go and lift the FA Cup in the Royal Box. And uh, they got one of the little girls who were on the tour. She had to stand there and pretend she was a queen. And a group of us 20-year-old idiots, you know, this the replica was about 20 grand, this thing. I've got photos somewhere. And you you got to lift it up and, you know, um, wave to no one in particular. Uh, and they lined you up in the tunnel beforehand. You lined up in the uh, tunnel, two teams. They play the sound of the crowd. And then you're walking up, actually, from the old tunnel at Wembley. You can't see the other end. It was just like a shaft of light. So it was almost like gladiator. It, it did feel quite, you know, quite, uh, quite thrilling. You could hear the boots being banged on the ground. But as a as a stadium itself, it was past itself by day. But hey, we won the cup there in '97. So that's all that matters. Yeah, um, Wise finished that season by being named Chelsea Player of the Year for the second time. Uh, and before the season ended, he was selected in the England summer squad. He started a match uh, at Wembley in a one-all draw with Brazil, and a week later, he started uh, versus Malta in a two-one win. Wise then played four times at the Euro 2000s and he became the first ever Chelsea player to play for England at the European Championships. He earned caps against Portugal, Germany, Romania and France. Then came the, the summer of 2000 and Viali was given a huge budget to help challenge for the Premier League title. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank signed from Atletico Madrid for £15 million, so a, a, another club record there. Um, Hasselbank had had previous experience in the league with Leeds, winning the Golden Boot in 1999. They also signed fellow striker Ida Gudjonsson from Bolton for £4 million. Midfielder Mario Stanich from Parma for £5.6 million. And goalkeeper Carlo Cudicini from Castel di Sangro for £160,000. 
The club said goodbye to Chris Sutton, who joined Celtic for £6 million after scoring just three goals. Didier Deschamps left for Valencia and Dan Petrescu left for Bradford City. Pre-season started with wins against Kingstonian and Oxford United and a tour of Holland saw them win all three matches. The competitive season started with the charity shield against Man United. A debut goal from Hasselbank and another strike from Mario Melchior gave the Blues a 2-0 win and Wise lifted another trophy as captain. It was their first charity shield victory since 1955. Chris, how excited were you for this season? And what did it say about Dennis Wise that despite all the big money signings, he was still there as the club captain? I think it, it shows his quality. I think it shows how he'd, he'd adapted and evolved under Hoddle. He then, you know, Hullet recognised his qualities and Viali took that on and recognised him further. You know, again, it was part of the way the club was evolving. The club was changing. You know, the club was consistently now challenging at the you know, business end of the season, to use the cliche. They were winning stuff. They hadn't, they'd shown that 97 wasn't a one-off by winning trophies in, in subsequent years and ultimately weirdly challenging for the league almost in 99, which, you know, um, I sort of didn't realise how close they came that season, you know, four points off. But, I mean, the quality of the signings, I mean, players like Hasselbank, Hasselbank was a proven quality goal scorer in the Premier League, and that was the important thing. He'd done it already. He hadn't gone abroad and done it. He was a proven quality player in the Premier League. I remember being very excited actually by Good Johnson. I thought Good Johnson was a superb signing, really clever, really clever player. And subsequent years would prove that he was a brilliant, you know, a brilliant investment for what you say, four and a half million, which is yeah, no money. Even then, that was a steal. Um, the other players, I must say, I didn't know much around Stanich um, as, a, as, as a player, but I mean, you know, he was clearly a you know, talented guy, as we'll see as the uh, sort of opening season goes on. But Wise was. Again, pivotal to this, you know, he, he'd adapted his game. He'd moved with the times. He'd made sure that Chelsea, he was still Chelsea's sort of, you know, heartbeat, as it were. And if, you know, players and managers of the calibre of Hullet, Hoddle, Bialy all made him captain, then the guy must be doing something right. Yeah, the, um, the first fixture of the league season saw Chelsea host West Ham in the London derby. Hasselbank scored a penalty after half an hour, but Paolo Di Canio equalised early in the second half. Zola then made it 2-1 on the hour mark. But next came a, a truly iconic goal. The Blues had possession in the middle of the park when Wise found Mario Stanic. The Croatian then juggled the ball a couple of times before launching a 35-yard volley past Shaka Hislop. And if you haven't seen it, you, you need to look it up on YouTube. West Ham pulled a goal back through Freddie Canute before Stanich scored again to make it 4-2. Chris, which opening day goal was better between Stanich and Poyet? Um, and where does this Stanich goal rank in your all-time uh, favourite goals for Chelsea? Um, you know, I'd say the pair of them actually equally in terms of quality. They're different goals uh, because Zola for the Sunderland game, uh, Poirier's course, he, he sort of puts it up for him and, you know, properly, that, that's a great goal. Uh, the Stanich goal, I think, again, you know, it was the same end of the pitch, actually. Um, he, like, whipped it in. He hit it so hard and so accurate. Um, there's a lesson there for some of our players these days, you know. I mean, I, you don't see that kind of goal scored properly by a lot of Chelsea players at the moment. Um, probably, probably the Stanich one just because he was on his own. 
uh, I'd argue probably that that was probably just slightly better. I mean, as yeah, sort of top top ten sort of goals at Chelsea. That probably I would say probably the greatest goal I've ever seen a Chelsea player score. Um, Zola's against United in 96-97 season and against West Ham the same thing for sheer individual skill um, over a, a sort of set period beating players but that was just yeah brilliant opportunism um, and a superb player who I think as we'll sort of find out sadly didn't play many times that, that season for Chelsea we never really got to see the best of him yeah um, a shock 2-0 defeat away at Bradford, followed by three consecutive draws against Villa, Arsenal and Newcastle, uh, which meant that Chelsea were 11th place in the table. This was enough for the Chelsea board, and then Viali was sacked as the boss. Uh, Graham Ricks, who was Viali's assistant, took temporary charge for the next two games. On the 14th of September, Chelsea had a European tie against St Gallen from Switzerland in the first round of the UEFA Cup. Blues won the first leg 1-0 with on loan Christian Panucci lobbing the ball over the keeper as he ran onto Wise's lofted pass. Uh, and next up came a 2-0 home defeat to Leicester before Claudio Ranieri was installed as the new Chelsea manager. Uh, in his first game, he came up against Man United at Old Trafford. Wise had missed the game through injury, but they drew 3-0 with two goals from Flo and a stunning strike from Hasselbank. Wise also missed the return leg of the UEFA Cup against St Gallen. Chelsea lost 2-0 and were knocked out. But the big story of the game involved Di Matteo. In the first half, he stuck out a leg to put a challenge in, but his foot got stuck in the ground and the impending collision was too much and his legs, and his legs snapped. Uh, and this would actually be the end of Di Matteo's playing career. Chris, what do you think will be Di Matteo's legacy as a Chelsea player? And how much did he and Wise complement each other with their style of play? I think he was a perfect foil. It took Di Matteo a little time to sort of get used to the pace of um, of English football, uh, which, you know, you're always going to have that challenge having played Italian football. But Di Matteo and Wise worked really well together. Um, Di Matteo wasn't afraid to get his foot in. Uh, yes, he scored more sort of spectacular goals, I suppose you could say. But um, they worked sort of so well together as, as players. It was, uh, you know, a superb combination. His legacy will always be the FA Cup goal uh, in 97, which was obviously, you know, it's an iconic goal. I don't care who you support. It is one of those goals you have to appreciate. He then does it again in the League Cup final. He then does it again in the 2000 Cup final. So Di Matteo was a player. He bought a style. He bought um, some spectacular goals for Chelsea, uh, long-range efforts, which, again, you're saying about Stanich, you don't see scored very often these days. You know, you don't see, certainly if I'd love it if our midfielders could occasionally sort of run forward and have a look up and take a pop and see what happens. Um, that would be absolutely joyous. So, you know, Demon's a superb player and, and an absolute ultimate tragedy, actually. He lost his career so so young, you don't realise that. You That gets forgotten about. That um, yeah, that's twenty-two years ago, and um, Chelsea could have had another few more years out of him. Great, great player, but real tragedy. Thank you. On the first of October, Wise was back in the Chelsea team as they beat Liverpool three 0 at home, and a week later, the club uh, the club signed central midfielder Slavisa Jakanovic from Deportivo La Coruña for one point seven million as cover to replace the injured Di Matteo. 
On the 7th of October, he was an unused sub for England in the last game at the old Wembley as they lost 1-0 to Germany. Keegan then resigned and Howard Wilkinson took over as the caretaker manager for the match against Finland four days later. On the 11th of October, Wise made his final appearance for England in a 0-0 draw against Finland uh, and he'd won 21 caps and scored just the one goal. Um, Chris, do you think Wise should have earned more caps with England uh, and do you think ultimately he'll be pleased with the number of caps that he earned? Um, it's hard to say. Probably he wouldn't be naturally. That's his sort of his own, you know, way. He's competitive streak. He clearly want to play more for his country. I think he obviously loved playing for, for England. Did he get the recognition? No, but he also was playing at a time when England did have a lot of sort of similar players like that. You know, they had a lot of players who were of that sort of, of ilk, similar to, to Wise. Um, and I suppose under Kevin Keegan, the European Championships at that point, he was probably a bit past it anyway, actually. I don't know. He's probably a bit old. That, that, that team in 2000 were horrendous in the European Championships. I mean, it was an awful tournament and um, they didn't do very well. I think they went out in the group stages. Dennis played quite well, I think, as I seem to recall. But I'd always remember thinking it was probably his his last hurrah. And to be fair, England did reasonably well. I don't think the inclusion of Wise would have made a great deal of difference in England. You know, going out in the uh, the semis of European Championships in '96, didn't qualify for the World Cup in '94, '98. They could have should have done better in that tournament. But I don't think Dennis would have made much difference. I, I think he was a bit unlucky. The number of other players around him at that point but on the other hand he still you know won you know double figures of England caps he scored for England and um you know at club level he was doing it he was clearly a class player he was playing in one of the highest competitions in in European football at that point and doing well in it so he didn't have anything to prove it was possibly who was manager at the time of England that uh, probably made a bit of a difference thank you uh, a month later Liverpool would knock Chelsea out of the league cup in extra time and three days later, Chelsea lost 3-2 away at Southampton. But Wise did get his first goal of the season, bundling home from just three yards. At the end of November, Chelsea sold Flo to Rangers for a club record £12 million. And a month later, they'd signed Danish winger Jesper Gronkjaer from Ajax for £7.5 million. By the end of 2000, Ranieri hadn't been able to improve the club's position much in the table. And so the only competition left to play for was the FA Cup. On the 6th of January 2001, they welcomed Peterborough for a third round tie at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea eased through with a 5-0 victory, Wise grabbing an assist in the game. In the fourth round, they travelled to Gillingham and beat them 4-2. However, a 3-1 defeat to Arsenal in the fifth round all but ended Chelsea's season. And on the 19th of March, 19th of May, sorry, 2001, Wise played his final game for the club. He led the team out as captain for the 300th time. Uh, and to end, end his career with Chelsea, he left a parting gift by scoring the opening goal. He smashed home a right-footed shot from the edge of the box past Carlo Nash in the City goal. And the Blues went on to win 2-1 and finished sixth in the Premier League table. So in his Chelsea career, Dennis Wise played 445 games. He scored 76 goals. He was sent off eight times and won two FA Cups, a League Cup, a Charity Shield, Cup Winners' Cup, UEFA Super Cup and the Chelsea Player of the Year twice. So, Chris, um, what do you think will be Dennis Wise's legacy at Chelsea 
and um, we've talked about him a lot, obviously, today in the, the episode that features him. What are your favourite memories of Dennis? I think, <clears throat> I think as a as a player, he's really important. He uh, bridges um, a gap between the sort of the, the creation of the modern Chelsea or the modern Chelsea that we know now, and the Chelsea that had gone before. So I mean, you you look at it, nineteen ninety, he joins. He's playing in the same side with Kerry Dixon. Now, Kerry Dixon had been at Chelsea since 83, you know, so that shows how long he, he'd gone from, from one end of his career. He admittedly only played with Dixon, I think, for, for what, a couple of seasons. But by the end of his career, he's playing with John Terry. John Terry's in the, in the squad and established in the squad. Um, and there are players now who are still playing for Chelsea who played with, with John Terry. So Wise sort of encompasses this, this period of the emergence of the side, you know, from the doldrums, from being honest, some pretty average Chelsea side, some sides which flirt with relegation, um, to then start to gradually under Hoddle get their act together. They start to develop. You can see the progression. Um, and as a player, he's he's critical to that. He adapted, he evolved, he constantly, I think, pushes himself forwards and um, was there when when it mattered. You know, he, he started it with with the trophies. You know, up until up until John Terry, he was the most successful Chelsea captain we'd had. Um, you know, and he you know took us into the European Cup, took us on to you know multiple cup wins. Um, League league positions, which we'd not achieved consistently since since the sixties and early seventies, and you look at the quality of, of of manager he he played for. You know they all obviously trusted him and convinced him that he was you know he was a player that they they needed in that in that side. He's also I think still remains the last Chelsea player I can remember who could take a decent corner. Uh, we've not really had that for at least twenty odd years. Even Zola can always was a bit dodgy on them. So for that alone, Wise deserves his, deserves a statue. Um, I think in, in terms of memories, I think probably I was him winning the cup in '97. You know, I, I think that was that, that was my favourite because again, I was pleased for him. You know, he, he won it with Wimbledon, but you know, to do it as a captain and to to do it with us after '94, that was brilliant. The funny thing is, actually, you sort of I can't remember many of his goals. You talk about you know seventy odd goals. I've got a memory of him being obviously penalties or stuff where he might run in a bit late, similar to what Lampard did a few years later. But it's funny, I can't actually remember many Dennis Wise goals off the top of my head, you know. Um, but he's he's a critically important figure in the development of the club. He's 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 really, you know, sort of important. I don't know these days if he gets the the recognition or you know from 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 people that he probably should because I mean at the time actually when he leaves that season I can't remember realizing he was probably on his way out um from the club at the end of that 2000-2001 season I don't recall there being a sort of you know thank you Dennis bye you know brilliant thank you for 11 years I could be wrong but I don't, I don't remember that. I just remember suddenly he went to Leicester and I suppose in a strange way, he was at that age, what, 33. So he was sort of, you know, they were obviously looking to replenish the midfield. Maybe his legs were going a bit. His contribution with the goals was probably starting to wane a bit. Um, Ranieri as manager made some strange decisions, as you will no doubt agree, sort of through his Chelsea career as a manager. Um, could Weiss have stayed on another season? Probably. Would it made a massive amount of difference to that 
Chelsea side the following season? I don't know. It's hard to say. But as a as a player, he's he's pivotal to the uh, to the yeah the the creation of sort of the modern Chelsea. So so yeah, um, he doesn't need a statue yet because he's not dead. But uh, I think he's got a bar named after him somewhere or some some suite. So there we go. Thank you for that, Chris. Chris, if if people want to find out more about you and and follow you on social media, uh, where can they find you? Um, he's just trying to remember my Twitter handle as I say <laughs> say this. Uh, you can find me, uh, Chris Casley, that's C-A-S-S-L-E-Y, at uh, CassCJ70. Yeah, and if you haven't followed him already, make sure you give him a give him a follow. It's really worth um, interacting with him. He knows a lot a lot about Chelsea. So if you want to know anything, he's one of the guys to go and speak to. So, Chris, I've I've really enjoyed today i'm looking forward to doing more of these in the future with you Brilliant. um yeah thank you very much and i'll we'll all speak to you soon no worries mate cheers brilliant thank you cheers thanks for listening to the chelsea heritage podcast with your host chelsea chatter subscribe to our podcast on itunes google play or wherever you get your podcasts from It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com.